I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Frank Film Club. The film club where anything goes and everyone's welcome. Frank Film Club, take one. Hello everybody and welcome back to Frank Film Club. I'm Lowry and I'm here with my friends Maisie and Hannah um, and this is the club where we come to once a week, we watch a film and we talk about our thoughts and feelings about the film and this week we are talking about a film called Limbo which was written and directed by Ben Sharrock. It stars Amir Al-Masri and it was released in 2020. This is actually the first time that I had watched the film, but I I chose the film because it's about the refugee crisis and I'd heard really good things about it. And I think that's often quite a hard thing to pull off on that subject matter. So I kind of wanted to see for myself. Yeah, so watched it this week and well, I was really blown away by it. So what did you all think? Well, you kind of hit the nail on the head, to be honest with you. I think that it is um, publicised, like, crisis, uh, the refugee crisis, but it's rare to kind of find stories that are just, like, have, like, humanity and are, like, kind of soul-nourishing. That is somewhat unexpected for for the subject matter, I think. Yeah, we've spoken about this before on the podcast. This is a really serious topic and the fact that we can see it through a different lens with maybe a little bit of a different sensibility um, makes it even more special that it's telling a story like this, that it's not just one narrative that we're going to see all the time, which then makes it more digestible or gives it more of an audience maybe. It's just a really well-made film in all aspects, which is on that topic so I loved it and um I'm so glad you picked it good well I feel like you both like straight away touched on the fact the humanity in the film is very prominent and that I wanted to ask you it's a funny film like there's there's lots of humor in it and what were your thoughts on that I think the whole like what you see on screen brings you joy um his like blue coat uh, next to kind of like the blue sky and like the blue car doing donuts and I think like visually I've seen movies that look like this but like I've never followed the story in this way like it kind of always seems like a gimmick whereas this like actually just really enhanced everything that you because because he was in such a strange alien place right and it's like really nice to see Scotland depicted as this like incredibly beautiful but barren and like bleak kind of like landscape it's very the tone is very very interesting i think when the first scene i was like we in some weird donny darko universe where it's like all very awkward and like the shots are too long um but then it obviously becomes something completely different i think the first scene is quite weird with them dancing you know oh yeah (laughs) um but uh yeah i thought the the humor was 
I, I found it a bit jarring at the beginning, but then throughout then it just made it lovely. So Ben, the director, bit of background on him. He studied Arabic and politics in uni as an undergraduate. And whilst he was doing that, he lived in Syria for a bit and met people there. Some people that came across, well, went to other countries and to seek asylum. And he said that a lot of them, when he was asking them about what what their experiences were, obviously there was a lot of like very bleak stories in there. But one of the big things was that they were like, there's always still humour. As a human being, you're always going to find light and darkness because otherwise you just won't make it through. Um, so I think that was something that it was really important to to come through in the story and actually on that so I know at first when I realized that it was a white British man who had made this film I was like hmm like just got me thinking about like who has the right to tell different people's stories and um I don't I kind of wondered your thoughts on that but equally now like knowing that he is obviously well educated in all of these things and he's like really really like done his research on everything it kind of makes me be like oh no that is fair you I think you do have the right to tell the story and I think he does it very well yeah he does it extremely well um but it is always like a question mark um when yeah when you ask yourself like who who does have the right to tell different stories and like it's always something that you kind of want to be able to see as like very straightforward but actually um, it's not really the case. And I think like you never actually really know someone's connection with a story. Um, and also if you like wait around uh, for, for someone who has had this exact experience to get to a place where they are able to direct like a movie, then you also might be limiting this story being told. Every case is different, I guess. And like, I think he did a really, really beautiful job. I think that the encouragement needs to be there to be able to bring new filmmakers um, from different backgrounds m more up in the film industry. But if there is a story like this that has the opportunity to be told by somebody who is educated enough to do it well and not be um, taking things on face value and actually know certain things as it sounds like this director does, then, then that is why that happens. I purposely didn't read anything into this film, by the way, because I really wanted to, I really wanted to hear your facts, Lowry. <laughs> so that's really interesting. Where's he from, did you say? Is he English? He's from, so he's from Scotland. He's British. Oh. Yeah, spent time out in Syria. Actually, I forgot to mention that he also then studied Middle Eastern cinema. Um, this is his second feature film. He did one before, but I think it was on like no budget. Yeah, so this is his second feature and the first time that he had funding. I think what this film does really well is it's such a strong sense of place. Like you just, you are so in on that island and you're so cold the whole way through. I want to I, I ask Amir about how cold it was to shoot that because it just looks like it was constantly freezing. Do you know the, the feeling that I was getting when I was watching it was that I was just so gutted that I hadn't seen it in the cinema. I watched it in the cinema. Oh, you did? Oh. I did. Yeah, I went the other night. I I was going to watch it on movie, but then I saw that it was playing locally and so I went and it was it was really good and I'm glad that I watched it on the cinema just because there are so many moments which just really drink in the landscape and you're just like sat still watching the view. I almost think that if I had watched it on my laptop, I wouldn't have liked it as much. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it, when you've got a lot of distractions, those like really long shots, they're locked off. If you're in the cinema, your eye can just look around the foreground, background and just see what's there. And also like because majority of the shots in this film are just like locked off wide, there's no cutting in and like manipulation of the scene. It's just these like still shots, which I am a sucker for. And they were like beautiful, but it just means that as an actor, you've got to be even more on it. I mean, they're doing the whole scene and you're not cutting within that scene at all in the edit. It's just as is. I wonder if it took like any longer or shorter to shoot because it feels like it would have taken less time to shoot, but that might just be the way, just my imagination. No, I was, I was thinking that. That is very true because you don't have to do multiple shots. Yeah, you can get a scene done in like two angles, you know, and you can let it roll. And they did like a lot of those kind of like walking shots. And I'm sure it takes a long time to set up and to load the camera, especially when it's cold like that. Really, the bit that takes like a real long time is multiple. Mm. They just didn't do so yeah and it was like a great film for it and all, all the shots as well are just so beautiful like they were all yeah uh stunning great <laughs> you would is that what you so wanted to say stunning? no stunning is fired from my vocabulary <laughs> for, forevermore so they unexpectedly were watching friends which I loved so much. I just wondered what like you thought the point of that was or like the importance of them watching something so familiar. Do you know what? I don't know if I if I liked it that much. They did that. Really? Yeah, I don't know if I liked oh. it that much. I wish it was something else. Oh, well, you know, don't know that you like that they watched Friends. Yeah, I just wish it was another show. Not that there's anything wrong with Friends. I really liked Friends. But I just feel like because it's so of the moment, I feel like a lot of people are watching it. Maybe it's because it's on Netflix again. I don't really know. But I thought it was a bit gim- I thought it was a bit gimmicky that it was Friends. I wish it was like something else, like um MasterChef. <laughs> yeah, or like some I don't know. <laughs> See, I really liked that it was Friends. Friends is the show that like I've watched a million times and I kind of thought that everyone's watched a million times and that everyone loves, but obviously not everyone does and not everyone has. Yeah. Never seen it. Have you never seen Friends? Like I've it's been on, but I've never like actually like watched it. But I suppose it is an easy point of reference because everyone knows what the when they're arguing about their on a break thing, everybody knows what that is. And and I think, I kind of think that the relevance of it was that it's like, they're still like, they still have joy in like these little things that like everyone in the world has joy in and making the point of like, these are just people, like we are just people and they're just in a really shit situation, but they like love the same things that we love. Let's talk about Farhad who is like obsessed with Freddie Mercury, has like the best tash going. It's just like so sweet. And he's also pretty comfortable where he is, especially compared to Omar. And like, obviously they have this falling out because Omar's like, how are you fine? Like, how are you dealing with this? What do you think of him? I loved him. I actually thought there was a scene at the beginning. I think that um, Omar is in Amir was actually laughing at him and he wasn't meant to be. There was just moments which looked just so genuine that he just genuinely found him funny. When he would sing and 
like make little noises and stuff. Omar's looking at him like not in an Omar way. <laughs> I just thought he was a really interesting character. Like somebody, he was like at one point saying this whole metaphor. Well, I took it as a metaphor about like the how the when like a new chicken comes into the into the coop and then all the other chickens like stop like going at it and like hating on it. And then when the fox come round, it's like everyone's the same. Like they don't care who the new chicken is. And I thought that was like a quite a good metaphor for the refugee crisis. He played a lot of different um, roles like within the story. Um, he had like amazing kind of like comic reliefs. Yeah. Also, I hadn't really, I hadn't thought about that kind of metaphor between like his chickens and then the situation that they're all in. But he does have like a real wisdom and like perspective of like where he's at and he has really come to peace with it like a lot sooner than than the others. It made me wonder what he, because he said um, that he wouldn't be accepted at home or something like that. It, I wonder what his backstory was. Because I, I thought maybe I missed something when he said that. I thought he was saying, I'm not accepted at home because I'm gay. Did he say that? He never said that, but in my head. That's what you were thinking. He said that, and that's what I got from that. Maybe I've completely made that up. I think you have. But um, <laughs> I think... <laughs> that's interesting, though, because that was ambiguous. So the fact that your mind has gone there maybe that's why it is ambiguous. Right, I got I got the feeling that like, for a lot of the reasons why he's having a really good time here, or like what he's like settling in, are a lot of reasons why he like does not settle in at home at all and has never really felt that way and like has never felt like he could really express himself. Like whether that's his like sexuality or like his expression or his like fashion or like, his facial hair, like whatever that it like kind of manifests itself into was very ambiguous. And I feel like you could read a lot into that, but ultimately I did get the feeling. Yeah, I just, I got, I got the message. I got, I caught the vibe. I think that's why Amia was such a perfect center to the whole thing, because you've got all these different elements around him, somebody who, you know, is happy with the situation, somebody who has aspirations that might not be like come to fruition. And then Amia's character is the center point for it all. And you actually don't see too much of like how he feels about things until right towards the end. He's sort of like, you see, there's sadness there, but like he's really teetering on the edge of like any real outburst of emotion until the, the brother, just so so moving. But he was such a good central point. And also he's so amazing to watch. Like his face is incredible. So incredible. He's very talented. And I think that like, it's difficult to like lead a movie like this that is so still and still yourself shine. Like it's, it's really, really amazing. He was nominated for a Biffo, I think for the, oh. for the role. Good. Also his phone calls with his mum were like so sweet every time and like a bit heartbreaking as well Ugh. yeah it was really like it was so uh fun but it was also really raw and like kind of really went there with um those conversations and like just the honesty of like their desperation they need help like they're not you know by no means like covered and just that stress that it puts on him being in a position that's like 
his family just would have no idea. Like, yes, he's sort of got there and yes, he's okay and they're giving him money, but like, it's a far cry from being like able to fully support a family of three um, or oh, four, I guess, including him. Um, yeah, and it just like, I don't know, just like the, the, the honesty of that, I think, was really good. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now it's time for In, in the, the Club. Club. Now it's time for the In the Club section of Frank Film Club. And today we've got, uh, well, we've got some little snippets from Amir Al-Mazri. He is shooting at the moment. So we sent him a load of questions and he took the time out to answer our questions for us today. Yeah, so earlier on in the episode, we were talking about how long it would have taken to shoot the film. So we asked Amir, how long did the shoot take? Hi, Frank Film Club. I'm Amir Masri, and today I'm going to answer some of your questions. So we were out in the Uists for about a month. Uh, we were shooting there pretty much for, for about five weeks. Uh, we had one one or two days up in Edinburgh as well, but uh, and those was were used for uh, filming the scenes where Omar's looking back at his time in uh, in Syria where he's performing in front of his family and friends. Um, and how many pages did we aim for? So honestly, I mean the way Ben likes to work is we, we'll we'll flesh out a scene properly uh, before we start. So. You know, we it, we could take about we could end up doing about five five or so scenes on the day. Um, you know, I mean, Uist is just this beautiful, beautiful canvas that we were, we were filming on. Um, but the the weather was pretty unforgiving, so you know, depending on how uh, brutal the conditions were, uh, we could manage to get through quite quite quickly. So, I feel like we were pretty right there then pretty bang on it took yeah it was a lot, lot shorter I feel like it's usually like six to eight weeks for a feature of this kind so five weeks is pretty pretty swift we also really wanted to know what the conditions were like for shooting because it looks Baltic so we asked him was it really that cold it was freezing it was so so cold I mean we were filming in October November time and whilst the island is gorgeous uh we had gale force winds you know, we had, uh, I mean, cast and crew members, some of the locals pinning down pieces of equipment so it doesn't fly away. I mean, there's one scene where I actually thought I was going to fly away like Mary Poppins. Um, 
I was holding the Ude case and I was just by the by the beachfront and uh yeah we had we had actual like d- divers on set just off off camera just in case <laughs> but um but yeah I mean that in a way was really helpful it was really helpful all those little elements helped me get into character much quicker um and it's you know it's a small percentage in comparison to what you know real real individuals went through um so so to have that kind of ingrained in you um you know in at the end of the day i felt very lucky to to kind of go back home and 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 rest you know for for the next day but um but yeah i mean <laughs> there were some moments where i was just only wearing that thin blue coat and uh yeah luckily luckily we had a good uh costume department on board uh and uh and they were uh keeping me warm <laughs> in between takes that's so good that they had divers like in case something or anyone went in yeah fair play do you think that it was really dangerous because it was really windy and that's why somebody could have fallen into the water yeah i think so i'd imagine so it did look really windy yeah that's wild. We also, uh, we were curious to know what kind of prep or rehearsals that Ben Sharrock held prior to shooting. And so we asked Amir what sort of things he got up to before shooting. I was really fortunate to actually have rehearsals. Uh, you know, it's not often that you get rehearsal time when you're filming, uh, especially in indie. And we had about two weeks of rehearsals. And... Um, they were mainly up in Edinburgh and it was mainly just to kind of choreograph the movements and um, you know everything is perfectly placed in the film um, everyone's position uh, you know there's 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 meaning and, and style behind it I mean a lot of a lot of um, Ben's kind of uh, work is very stylistic uh, if you've seen Picadero you probably know what I'm talking about but um, but yeah I mean it was mainly to kind of get that ingrained and and also understand you know the character's journey and and meeting with uh a syrian men's group as well um you know syrian uh, refugees who had you know gone across via the un program um and um we were very lucky to kind of sit with them and and, and discuss their uh you know their intimate stories um it was it was actually vital to kind of understand that and understand the idea of separation um and uh, and what it means to be kind of stripped of your identity in a way and start again i mean i think it's just really good that ben recognized that it's the type of role that does really need that preparation for that needs the preparation and perhaps because they knew they could shoot it sooner they could use those extra weeks in prep and doing you know, balanced it out, which, yeah, yeah, really valuable. Just knowing where you want to spend your time is good. Yeah, more more time in prep might streamline the shoot. Um, so then, kind of following on from that, we wanted to know how, uh, how Amir prepared for the role emotionally. Well, from pretty much from day one, uh, Ben and I were, were talking about the idea of, of, of um, being stripped away of your identity and, and not knowing how long will be until you get to make that phone call to your to your family and friends and and um 
he'd suggested that I, I take the long route to, to the Uists, to the island. And um, so uh, I went by car and I kind of isolated myself away from, from the cast and crew. Uh, and even when we got to the island, there was, there was next to no reception. So I wasn't really able to, to talk to any family, friends or loved ones. And, and, um, and that, you know, that, that was pretty difficult. It was hard. Um, and, um, and, and it was something that, you know, allow, allowed me to, to feel what Omar must have been going through at that time so so uh you know that that was kind of a base for 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 uh for the character and 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 uh and also you know trying to find pieces of his identity back um um another kind of metaphor that that was really useful throughout the 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 film was um was the idea of holding two big buckets full of water over my shoulders and not letting that water spill and what that would feel like the 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 weight of that um and um and picking the right moment where he breaks um you know we we we, we there were many moments where we were on set and i felt the the kind of emotional gravity of the scene and ben would come across and say listen the water hasn't spilled yet um, we need to wait because if you break, then the audience are are released from that tension. So we need to pick one moment in the film, um, and that was hard because because I felt you know you know Omar must be you know incredibly incredibly strong uh, to uh, to have held himself <laughs> for so long. Um, and, uh, you know, I was only away for, uh, for five weeks, but, um, but yeah, I mean, things like that were really, really helpful, but also sitting, sitting with, again, with the, the, the Syrian, um, Syrian men in, in, uh, in, um, in Glasgow was, was incredibly insightful and, and we were, we were so fortunate that they, uh, they were so kind enough to tell us their, their personal stories and their journeys and and you know what it what it felt like to be to be away from family and 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 essentially to start a new life in terms of uh the accent work i had an incredible teacher uh called marwa who uh, who was actually ben's uh teacher at university and um she she helped me with the accent uh the syrian dialect um you know, I was on. I was on pretty much on the phone to her every day, <laughs> uh, sending sending across voice notes, uh, and uh, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 about really being specific about the region as well. I mean, about Damascus and and uh, because because the language is so beautiful, but also very sing-songy as well in comparison to to uh, the the accents across across the region as well. I absolutely love that metaphor. Oh, don't spill it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's just really good to have like a, a something in your mind the whole way through filming, just to like keep, it's like a thread the whole way through the shoot, I suppose. And it's just such an easy, quick note that you just know exactly like, don't spill it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It creates like a physical feeling, like that, that being noted to something that is physical 
and being on the brink of that is so you can feel how that would sit in your chest holding on to that until the very end very good excellent work uh more preparation questions for amia um we really wanted to know if you learned to play the oud or if it was uh camera trickery so i have this uh funny memory of of Ben and Arune Gutabai who's the producer of Limbo ringing me up and uh, and saying let's meet in Leicester Square and I turn up and I see them with this oud uh, <laughs> and just went right it's time to get to work you got about uh got about a month so uh let's 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 get down to business and um yeah they they got me in touch with this incredible incredible musician called Khiam Alemi um who uh who composed the piece that Omar plays in the in the final scene and uh yeah we we pretty much you know practice every day um even after even after filming I'd, I'd come home and and uh and start kind of uh, practicing with him um you know I I had I had no you know knowledge uh of of how to play it at all um and uh you know we we try to get as as close as possible to look as to looking as authentic <laughs> in the film um you know he taught me some basic pieces and 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 kind of how to hold it um as it's very different to how you would hold a guitar so um so that was that was very very challenging but luckily ben had uh put that scene as the last scene that we'd film so that would ha- so that I would have a you know two months i mean it takes seven years to to master the ode but uh but uh you know i i think we managed to to blag it (laughs) i didn't expect that answer neither love it fair play seven years he said it takes to master it and he did it in two months that's pretty good i wonder if he well i don't i think i don't know that he said he mastered it i think (laughs) you'd be careful to say (laughs) (laughs) i boshed out in two don't worry (laughs) That would be such a flex if he was like that. <laughs> Usually takes people seven years, took me two months or how long. <laughs> I love that they shot that at the end as well, because obviously it gave him the most time to practice, but also it did just give that release because like finally you get to see him just like doing what he loves. And it's like completely, it's a completely different scene to like the rest of the film, you know, it's like so magical and it's so like montage you know, it's cool. We also asked Amir uh, why he thought humour was such an important part of this movie and why he thinks that it was used. What's really interesting is uh, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, the inspiration that I got as well personally uh, was from Buster Keaton. I remember, you know, being on set with Ben and sometimes he would say, look, I, I I, I just want you to kind of be there in the scene and give me absolutely nothing. And I and I said, what like kind of like Buster Keaton, kind of give you no reaction, and he said, yeah, essentially, essentially that. And so I went back and and watched a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of videos of 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 um, of, uh, of Buster Keaton, and how he moves, how he how he you know his expression or his expressionless face, which you know which is hilarious, but but tells a thousand words, you know, and, and I think, um, and I think, uh, in, in, re- in relation to the surrounding and the setting and, and, uh, you know, the, the gravity of the story, um, I think it draws you in. And, um, and I think humor does that. 
I think comedy can tell an important issue much quicker than a dramatic story does because I think when you watch it, you feel safer as an audience member. You feel, you know, like you're allowed to connect to the subject matter at your own pace. Um, and, um, and I think sometimes when you do that, you subliminally or subconsciously have it ingrained in you that uh, this, this, this issue is important. Um, rather than being made to feel a certain way, um, and I think and I think the film does that. I think Ben has done a remarkable job balancing comedy and drama. Um, you know, not uh, you know not kind of you know uh, abusing that. You know, and also you know reminding the audience member that members that that they they are they are watching something that is happening and has happened to to many people. Uh, but in a way that is inviting and and allows you to to watch and and but but feel at your own pace um, and yeah i think I think sometimes when you underline something with a red pen it can it can kind of uh you know take you out of it. I really feel like I need to watch more Buster Keaton to like truly understand that reference, so if anybody has any recommendations of where I could start. I've seen like little clips, but I just haven't sat down and seen a whole performance. So yeah, let me know. Well, any final thoughts? I loved at the heart of it. It was like an artist who was, you know, struggling to find his sparkle, I guess. Um, and struggling to like nurture that. And yeah, I think that I... I love a story about that. <laughs> that is a very good point that the core of like what the character is, Omar's character is, is him, his sense of self and who is he if he's not with his family and in his country and this symbolism of him carrying around the, what is the? Ode. Is the, yeah, that's yeah. It. Yeah, that was such a good um, yeah thread through in there. Like what? What would what would we be if we left everything that we have? Like what would actually be there? What would you take? Films. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Um, make sure that you go over and give us a little review and a five star rating on Apple if you enjoyed this episode. Next episode, I have been lucky enough to pick the film, and I have chosen the classic Studio Ghibli movie from 2008 Ponyo you can watch it currently on Netflix so go over there and give it a little watch and then join us back here next Wednesday for more Frank Film Club bye bye this podcast was presented by Wrapped Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.